And as you return to your seats, I just want to say this. I don't know what generation you're from. If you're from the, oh, that's wonderful generation. If you're from the awesome generation. If you're from the fly, dope, whatever generation you're from. I just want to say church this morning is all those rolled up into one. Amen. Right? Church this morning is smoking hot. And I have a word here that, that I believe that is going to bless your life, help prepare you, some of you for future stages of your life. Others, it's going to help you immediately. But before I get started today, let me say that last night I had the privilege of hearing Pastor Aaron preach, and he did a wonderful job. It was inspiring to my own life, but he kind of had some jet lag taking place in his life because he had recently returned with 40 other people from the Life Church campuses from a tour of Israel, and, and they had such a great time. And that's one of the, the truly remarkable things about Life Church is that we take people to the place where it all started to see where the things of Jesus Christ got started, and then we take them to other locations around the corner and around the globe to continue the work of Jesus Christ on earth here. And so you will see on the screen behind me some of this year's upcoming mission trips. You will notice also that toward the end of the year, beginning October 6th, Kristen and I will be leading a trip to Budapest, Hungary. We would love to have you join us on that trip. Just go on the website, lifechurchwi.com, get more information about that. And it's going to be an exciting time, and I would encourage you to get signed up for that. So as we get started today, we're in week two of our series, Invisible Matters. And this series is about subjects in our lives that kind of lie under the surface that other people don't see immediately in our lives, that, that at some point it's going to be revealed. These issues will no longer remain invisible as time goes on. It will either come out that we were living in correct ways, using wisdom in how we live in the invisible matters, or it will be revealed that we, we just haven't been. And we'll kind of be jacked up throughout our lives, and it will show itself eventually. So we're going to be talking today about invisible matters as it relates to making a marriage of one that lasts. Now, some of you who aren't married, please don't check out on me. Let me tell you what, if I could have had some of these ingredients solved before I got married it would have helped me tremendously. So you don't even have to give extra in the offering if you're not married yet. We're just going to give you good stuff anyway. And if you are married, if you're living these principles effectively, we want to say that's great and we know that your home is harmonious. And if you're not living these principles effectively, we want to say that you can. There is hope for your marriage, for your life, for your family 
dynamic. So we just want it to be a blessing to you today. Let me tell you that when I first got married, my wife asked me to attend a marriage class for at the church that we were attending while we were in Bible school. And I did not want to go. I knew everything about marriage. We'd been married for like three months and I had it all figured out, okay? So I go to this marriage class. This is true. I was this dumb. I go to this marriage class with her and it's in the basement of the church that we were attending and it's packed out, okay? I mean, there are... I don't know how many people, but the the large section of the basement is packed out. And I walked in that room after I'd given in, you know, she had asked me enough times and and I went and I don't even think we made the first week or two because I was kind of dragging my feet. And when I got in there, we got there late, of course, I didn't really want to go. And so we looked for a seat. And as I'm walking by these people, this thought went through my mind wow, all these people are messed up and need marriage help? You know, that's how ridiculous I was. Not even knowing that I'm probably the one in the room who needs the most help because I don't think I need help. That I've been married three months and I have all of this figured out. And if you would hear some of the stories of our early marriage and we were sharing some last night with friends at the Germantown campus, you would know that I did not have anything figured out, let alone my marriage. But anyway, we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. And, you know, every marriage goes through some difficulty. Most people, when they get married, they get married with the intention that they're going to have a happy marriage that there's going to be harmony in their relationship, that, that there's going to be a lot of fulfillment. Not everybody goes into marriage that way. As I told you, I have a family member who got married and said, well, if I don't like him, I'll just divorce him, because that's the culture that she grew up in. So not everybody gets married that way, but most people have every intention of making this thing last forever. And then when you get past the honeymoon stage, all the warm fuzzies, you get to some real life stuff, you find out that this person is not actually perfect. God forbid you thought they were perfect. People tried to warn you before you got married. You know, you're going to have to deal with this. And you're like, we got this. We got it under control. We know what's going on. Really, at 19, you've got it all figured out, you know. And so you start to ask yourself questions. And in in our marriage, it was year two that really started to get difficult. And then for some reason, year 24 was very similar to year two. I mean, it was just difficult. I would say blue, she would say red. I would say white, or she would say white, I would say black. We just could not get on the same page. My daughter came to me in that year 24, and she said, Dad, you guys have been fighting a lot. And I'm like, oh, go to your room, you know. I don't want to deal with it, I don't want to hear it, and I wish she had not noticed it, but it was true. But I'm here to tell you today 
that every other day in our marriage outside of year two and year 24 of the 32 years we've been married, married every other day has just been wedding bliss. I mean, easy peasy, perfect, harmonious, no trouble, cupcake situation, and yes, we are superhuman, and my feet do not stink, okay? Please insert sarcasm here. But that's when you really start to ask some questions. How do we do this? Can we ever make this last for a lifetime? Have you ever had a big fight with your spouse that made you wonder that? Can we really get through this one with what was said? Can we really figure this out? Does God really expect us to actually have harmony out of this situation? Is it even possible? Maybe it was possible in my grandparents' generation, but isn't possible in modern culture. Maybe the Bible has lost its relevance on this particular subject. But the answer is found so clearly in Scripture, and I want to talk to you about invisible matters as it relates to oneness for a lifetime. Genesis 2.24, listen to this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother. Now get that. A man will leave his father and his mother, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but I want to insert it here, and parents should let their children leave them, right? Let them leave. It's a natural process. Raise your kids to leave you and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. With a little time after that process starts, we find out it's not always easy. I love what the great pastor, Dr. Ed Young, has to say about marriages. There are three types of marriages. The Hawaii marriage, I mean, everything, the sun shines every day, right? I mean, it's just a trip to paradise. Think hammocks, right? And you're along the right lines. Uh, Hawaiian marriages are just excellent. I mean, they're warm it's a generous spirit. They bring a lot of life to you. Then you have the Colorado marriages. It's pretty rocky. I mean, they're, the, the winters are terrible, but summer is terrific, right? But the thing about Colorado marriages is they're really up and down. I mean, I'll be with people in my office, and they'll be at the lowest low, ready to kill each other. And I will think, Dear God, literally, dear God, help this thing work out. And then I'll find out that they're just fierce fighters and fierce lovers, okay? But overall, it's really up and down. I couldn't live that way. I don't want up and down. And then there's the North Pole marriage. I mean, it's just cold, right? You're just going through the motions. There's nothing warm about it. It's tundra, even when the ice thaws out, it's nothing but tundra. Dead looking dry stuff, it's no fun at all. In fact, the North Pole marriage is really about a race of endurance rather than enjoyment. 
And all marriages kind of fit into one of these three categories. But the question is, how do you stay together, united as one for a lifetime? The first key ingredient that I'd like to give you today is acceptance. Romans 15, 7, and, and this is bigger than you think. I know what, what could be going through your mind is right now is how obvious, Pastor Dan, you want us to accept each other. But I think we're going to bring some things out of this that, that will really cause you to think. Romans 15, 7, accept one another just as Christ also has accepted us. Do you realize that 70% of us marry our opposite? How many of you are married to your opposite? Raise your hand. There's no shame in it. Raise your hand. Okay, two of you are married to your opposites. So that means 68% of the people in this room are lying. So anyway, so 70% of us marry our opposites, right? Can you say fireworks as you learn how to relate to one another, as you learn how to, to get on the same page and have invisible ingredients that create a marriage of one for a lifetime. You're different from your spouse, and we're not just talking the obvious biological differences. 70% of us are not only different, but we're opposite. And here's the deal. Nobody's right, necessarily, and nobody's wrong. You're just different. There's some material that's out. It's called Love and Respect. Husband and wife, doctors, the Egriches put it together. And that's one of their points. Not right, not wrong. Just different. We speak different languages. We relate to each other differently. Our value systems on many things are different. But here's the deal. Too many people fall in love with with someone that just inspires them. Hopefully you're not like I was at 21 when my father-in-law asked me, Dan, why do you want to marry my daughter? And I said, because I love her, Ron. And he said, I know, Dan, I know you love her, but, but what do you love about her? And I said, Ron, I love her. <laughs> and he's like, like, let's get some specifics. What do you really love about my daughter? Ron, I just love her. I can imagine what he was thinking. He wants to marry my daughter and can't articulate one thing specifically that he loves about my daughter. So hopefully you can identify things in that person that attract you to them. I can give you countless things now that I was and am attracted to my wife over. So hopefully you can do that. But here's what happens. You get to marry this incredible person with all these gifts. And often they have the opposite strengths that you have. But you get in the daily grind and what happens? You start to get irritated by the things that when you were in the brain damaged time of the honeymoon phase, that seriously psychologists liken it to brain damage. Right When you're just so in love, and when you come out of that, you start to see some of what you didn't see before, and you stop identifying this 
terrific person through all of the gifts and things that attracted you to them, and you can start to see them now through the the shortcomings of their life. And if you don't get that reversed, if you remain in that situation, it may not show itself right away, but I promise it will eventually come out and those invisible matters will show themselves and they'll show themselves as destruction. But if you get back on the right track, it will reveal a a life of harmony, a place of harmony, a marriage that's vibrant. Kristen and I are total opposites. It was interesting to listen to Pastor Aaron talk about how he and Tammy are are so opposite. And that's very similar for Kristen and I. She's an extreme introvert. Okay, not just introverted, but Kristen is an extreme introvert who has developed good people skills. She loves people. But when she's done with an event, she needs time alone. And can I say, time alone from me? I can't imagine that. Who would need time alone from me? (laughs) So she needs time alone just by herself. One year I said for her birthday, and her parents were sitting at the table, I said, Kristen, me and the kids, my daughter and her husband, we're going to give you the best birthday gift today ever. She's like, what's that? And I said, we're going to do such and such today on your birthday, and you get the whole afternoon, the whole day to yourself. You don't have to deal with us at all. And she's like, so cool. My in-laws were like paralyzed with, what is he talking about? Well, I know my wife. It had been a busy schedule. I'm an outdoorsman. I love the outdoors. I love to be in it. I love to sit in a tree and just look at God's beauty. My wife, she can't stand, she does not go outdoors. You know why? Newsflash, there are bugs out there. (laughs) There are bugs outside. And those bugs can get on her. And it's all over when that happens. I want you to know. So we're just opposites. But if you try and force the other person to be what you are, you are going to to remove the life from their spirit. Do you know what? Their spirit will close to your spirit. And you'll be like, what's going on? Why are you so ornery? Well, because you're trying to make me something that I'm not. And you don't see who I really am. And you just have to learn to accept them for who they are. God has designed them to be something probably that you're not, and that's what creates the strength in your marriage if you can figure it out. Number two is attention. 1 Peter 1.22 says, fervently love one another from the heart. Not go through the motions, not do it because you know you should, but fervently or passionately love each other. Really take them into account. You have to give attention to the one that you love. And this is probably equally or more important. You have to do it in a way that they understand. Have you ever done something for your mate and you're like, 
that didn't go over very well. Right? When we first got married, I, we, we were some, I don't know, movie or whatever we were doing. And I'm rubbing my wife's arm, right? As we sit there, I'm rubbing her arm. And I, I could feel she wasn't really digging it, but she didn't say anything. Finally, she speaks up and she says this, and I pray or, or am a witness before God. She says, you trying to rub a hole in my arm? I'm like, what are you talking about? I think I'm doing what husbands are supposed to do. I'm think, I think I'm doing what you like. And here I'm trying to do what she likes and let her know that I love her, but I'm doing it in my own love language. I'm doing it in a language that she doesn't even understand. In fact, she doesn't even like that language. And I'm so confused. So if you're wondering if we have marriage problems because she likes to be alone all the time and not touched, uh, it just dawned on me that we might need counseling. I don't know. <laughs> Read the book if you haven't, Five Love Languages. Because just because you're trying to tell your mate you love them does not mean that's what they're receiving. They receive in a certain language. My wife is words of affirmation. So I touch her heart by affirming qualities in her life. That's what brings tears of joy and fulfillment in her heart and in her mind. She's probably getting misty-eyed right now. Here's the thing. I told you earlier that she doesn't like, you know, kind of touchy-feely affection, whatever. You would never know it now because that's how she shows me love. Not for her, but because it's my second love language. So she's changed to pay attention and communicate how she feels about me in a way that I interpret it. Your mate should be the object of your affection. Now get the, listen to me. This is so important. Your mate should be the object of your affection, not your children. Your children are the product of your affection. But too many marriages, when you hit the difficult stage and you have kids, one or the other mate, usually the wife in my experience, will begin to turn her attention to the children. And they get the love and the affection that should be directed at their mate. Let me tell you what. If you deflect rather than process the problems or challenges that you're having, it will eventually come out. Because whether you're raising them to leave home or not, your kids are going to leave home. And if you're healthy in your parenting, you're raising them to leave home in a timely fashion, to be successful, right? That's what we want for our kids. There's, there is no merit badge 
for parents who raise their kids to stay home so they can continually have someone in the house that they love and can pour their affection onto. That should be going to your mate. And can I tell you, being an empty nester is pretty stinking sweet, right? If you have given your affection to your mate throughout the years, you don't need a buffer in between you. In fact, in year 24, when my my daughter came to me and said, Dad, I've noticed you guys are arguing a lot more. You know what I told her? Yeah, and now you're a teenager and most of our arguments are about how to deal with you. (laughs) Totally true. Because your affections go to your mate, not to your children. Now, of course, we love our children to the 10th degree, right? I love it when they come to our house. I love that they worship here at Life Church. But she's my girl, right? Meaning my wife. She's my girl. She's the one that stands out from every other relationship uniquely that I have. One final thing here I want to say. Parents, when your kids are learning to cleave, Do not get in the way. God has ordained, right? God set this up that a man would leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Not bring his mother and have her help him cleave to his wife. Right? They become one. And guess what? Mom and dad, you're not in the equation. Don't be running interference for your kids. Don't help them solve problems they should be solving with their mate. There have been a few times in the last year and a half, my daughter comes to me and she says, Dad, I want to ask you about something. This is happening and and what should I do about it? Well, Morgan, I have an opinion, but have you talked to your husband about this yet? No, I haven't. Well, I can't share my opinion until you guys get on the same page, right? My opinion stays here because I'm not in the circle anymore. I love you. We're here for you. We're committed to you, but you have to figure this out. Two have become one. Now, if together you want to come ask me for my opinion, I would be happy to share it because I love to share my opinions. So don't get in the way. Don't do it. Let them cleave. Because it's God's design and God's plan. And you can actually, we can actually, as parents with married children, we can actually get in the way of what God wants to do in their lives. Now, I probably don't have to say this, but just so you're clear, I love my kids. (laughs) We're not talking about not loving our kids to the top level possible. We're just talking about loving them differently than we love our mates. Moving on to forgiveness. One of the great keys to a lifelong one relationship 
Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. You know, there has to be forgiveness in a healthy marriage. You're not always going to get it right. I don't always get it right. I know that's hard to believe. I'm just being honest. I don't always get it right. We were laughing last night so much, Mackenzie and Beth and Kristen at church about some of the things I did as a young married. And they're like, are you kidding me? You should. (laughs) And then I had to start sharing stories of what I've done right. And Mackenzie Gimbin, she says, oh, now you're trying to let us know that you've changed and, you know, everything's okay. And I said, exactly. I don't want to leave you thinking I'm still at that place. But forgiveness. Do you know that very few people, if any, have the ability to encourage you the way your mate does? And at the same time, Very few people, if any, have the ability to hurt you the way your mate does. And if you're still in that stage of, you know, everything's rosy and you haven't had anything to process yet, just wait. I'm not sure of very many things, but I'm sure a day will come when you have to process and there's a hurt involved. And forgiveness is the answer. Because grace is so important. We've been showered with grace. Let me tell you one of the keys to our marriage. Well, one of the things that makes it successful is she doesn't want me around. And (laughs) kidding. One of the keys is how we process damage, how we process bad behavior, how we process hurt. We don't let things go in our marriage. We're not perfect by any means. We have two philosophies. Number one, if somebody's coming off the train track, don't bite on it and help it totally crash, but respond in a way that helps get the wheels back on the track. Okay, that's the first thing. The second is this. When you mess up, own it. When you mess up, own it. And here's what owning it looks like. My daughter and her future husband, now husband, were at our place. I remember we were all in the kitchen It was just a few years ago. We were all in the kitchen, and I left the kitchen, went into the garage, and I can remember being irritated. And my daughter comes in the garage. Now, she never does this. But she says, Dad, you were just a real jerk to Mom. And I'm like, I was not. And get out of here anyway, you know which says I was probably a jerk to her mother, right? Just how I felt when she said it. I didn't even mean to be a jerk. 
but I was. So now she goes in the house, there I am, standing in the garage, saying to the Lord, to my heart, you have a choice to make, Dan. You're gonna be a man of God, or you're gonna live for yourself. You're gonna be submitted and surrendered, or selfish. I said, Lord, I don't wanna be this way. So I go back in, and they were, I had all dispersed throughout the house, and I said, hey, I need everybody back in the kitchen. Well, what do you need us back in the kitchen for? Morgan came out, told me I was a jerk. I spent some time thinking about it. I can see what she's saying. And because I did it in front of you, I need to confess it in front of you. Not because God won't forgive me if I don't, but I want you to know that I believe what I'm teaching you. And I want you to see how, how this should be handled. So, Kristen, I apologize. I'm very sorry. Would you accept my apology? And then she says, absolutely. Do you know there are a lot of people that apologize to others, even in their marriages, and never get an acceptance of their apology? They never get true forgiveness. I have a very close friend like that. If you ever found everything that was under the table in the, or under the rug in their marriage, if it ever all got out at once, it would be like a volcano because they don't process, they don't close it. Am I making sense? You gotta close it. You have to, you have to ask for forgiveness and you have to grant it. When it takes submission to offer forgiveness, and sometimes you don't feel it, but you have to ask for it, and you have to receive it and speak back to it. If your husband or wife ever apologizes to you, don't just let them leave the room without offering acceptance and granting that forgiveness. And I know sometimes it's hard. It's difficult sometimes. In our situation, Kristen tends to get worked up more quickly than I do, okay? I don't know if it's hormones or what, but anyway, it's just true. So she gets, she gets worked up a little more quickly than I do. And I, I don't bite for a little while, usually. And then once I get mad, I mean, it's ungodly. My attitude is horrible. So the last thing I want to do is get mad. And then she has the guts to come in the room and say, Dan, I'm really sorry. What the heck are you talking about? I'm still ready to argue and fight, right? Dan, I'm really sorry. Well, it's going to take me a little while to get back to where I can accept that apology. So just give me some time here. It's hard. But you have to get it together and go back in that room and say, hey, I accept your apology. I forgive you. This thing is gone. And then do you know what? If anybody ever brings it up again, then they just want to fight. 
Are you with me? Husbands, how many times does your wife bring something up that was six weeks ago and you get into an argument and she can relive it like it was yesterday? Like she has every word, right? Do you know why that is? Because six weeks ago, there was something between you, even if it was small and you didn't go through the process that I'm talking about right now. Because when I go through the process, you know what I get to say to my wife if it ever comes back up? That's not fair. You told me you forgave me. And you're, you forgive me like Christ forgives me. It's not fair to bring it back up. Is that what I say? This process helps in so many ways. But so many people don't go through the steps necessary to actually grant and receive forgiveness. And finally, encouragement. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I love this phrase. Brag, don't nag. Brag, don't nag. Tell them how great they are. When is the last time you just highlighted all of the great strengths or some of the great strengths in your mate's life? The things that really attracted you to them. When's the last time you, you took an opportunity or created an opportunity to do that? Guys, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to give you two ideas. You don't even have to pay for them. Create a list of maybe five things that are super meaningful to you about your wife. And then ask her on a little coffee date. Tell her you, you want to do something this week at such and such a time. And take those things to her. And there seems to be something about even sometimes, not always, doing it in public. I don't mean proclaiming it to everybody at Starbucks, but while you're sitting there, you start sharing this meaningful stuff. And they're like, I'm his. He really loves me. Or maybe prepare a simple dinner and put, you know, say, I'd like to cook dinner for you and here are some things. Or if there's not time for that, do it more on the spur of the moment, but brag. Let them know. And ladies, I'm going to give you... <clears throat> First of all, let me say this, my disclaimer. I don't mean in any way to be inappropriate. We're all adults in this room. But ladies... When you're being intimate with your husband, start to season it with, you're a good man. I love this about you. You will take an intimate moment that was a five and make it a seven or eight. I guarantee it. You'll take a seven or eight and make it a ten. 
subdued will be ready to conquer the world. I'm just telling you, it, I'm giving you good stuff. Like, it works. And so, create these times to brag, not nag. And do it in a way that no one else could offer it that way to your mate. It reinforces that the two are one. Nobody else would relate to you this way. And I'm doing it because special to me it's still there it's we're still cultivating it whenever you stop that maybe you're here and you're married and you're like you know we just don't really date anymore we don't do special things or whatever well I hope God convicts you today because the world the culture we live in wants to take that and capitalize on it and create separation. Nobody will fight for your marriage more than you. You hear me? Nobody will fight for your marriage more than you. And a godly marriage that is unified from beginning to end is completely countercultural. It's impossible without the Spirit of God. But it's ordained by God. And I just want to pray for you today, for those that are married, those that will be married. I want to pray for you today that you will be able to take these invisible matters, things that are currently not seen by others. You'll be able to get a hold of them in a new way and bring new freshness to your marriage or learn how to do it even before you're married. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for marriage instituted by God. Wow, what an incredible day. And you created woman from the man and you brought her to the man and, and I just envision like a wedding ceremony. What more incredible thing than the creator of the universe to be the one who walks woman, the woman down the aisle and gives her to the man. And there's nothing in our lives like that moment in the one we marry. And to see that become what God wants it to become is truly countercultural. So God, we need your spirit to make it happen. We need your spirit to make help it make continue in our lives. The greatest investment outside of our life in you that we get the greatest return from on earth is our marriage. Help us to reap a harvest of joy, of unity, of building a godly home. Bible says that it affects a godly home, affects not only those people and their children, but the next generation and the next. Help us to be people who build a four-generation home of impact. That's, that's what we pray for, God. That's what we want in our marriages. We pray that you would help us bring that about as we 
apply these ingredients that help make it happen. We love you. Amen. Amen. So I want to do something as we close here that we don't do very much in church. If you're married here and your husband or wife are here with you, turn to them and tell them you love them. It's even legal to give them a kiss here in church. So um, a short one up there, knock it off. Okay. Well, at this time, we're going to give you an opportunity to give. And so I'm going to ask our ushers if they would take their places. And as they're doing that today, I would like to direct your attention to a couple of items. And the first one being this red card called Next Steps that you can find in the cup holder next to you. We would love for you to take that and fill out the items that might apply to you. We would love to know if you would like to or have recently made a decision to follow Christ. We would love to help you along in your faith. So you can check that box that's on the front. Also, if you would like to join our life track, which is the, the entryway or the doorway into ministry and life at Life Church, we would love to have you do that. We hold that once a month on Sunday morning before church. So that would be super if you would uh, sign up for that. If you want to do one of the missions trips that were on the, the screen behind me earlier or want to be water baptized. In fact, we'll be having a water baptism today immediately following the morning service. <clears throat> excuse me, at 907 Nicolay Boulevard in Nina. It's on Doty Island, so if you would like to participate in that, it will not go long. Uh, of course, it won't go long. It's going to be in a hot tub in the middle of the winter. Uh, so we would just encourage you, just join us for 15 minutes there in Nina and celebrate with those who are uh, going through this process of baptism and other things that are on this next steps card we would love for you to fill out and secondly you're going to find a guest card and that's for those of you that are first time guests here at Life Church we would invite you to fill out this card it's the only thing we ask from you you don't have to participate even in the giving today but we would ask that you would fill out this card and to show our appreciation for you we want to give you a gift. So if you fill this out and you take it out underneath the orange tent, there will be someone there for you to give this to, and then they will give you a free movie ticket here to the theater. And so you'll have an opportunity to come back and have some fun and go to a movie. We would love for you to do that, and we would appreciate it a great deal. And so there are three ways that you can give here at Life Church. You will find a, an envelope there in the cup holder by your chair. You can text to the number on the screen that you see behind me, or you can give online at lifechurchwi.com. I would encourage you to, if you are giving online, to set that up for reoccurring giving. That's probably the best way that you can give. The other ways are excellent, but that's probably the best way that you can give here at Life Church. And before we receive the giving, I just want to share a quick verse of Scripture with you. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus says this, Give, and it will be given unto you. Press down, shaken together, running over. And with the measure that you give, it will be given unto you. 
And I think that's so fascinating. And what giving really is, is kind of an indicator of our trust and our faith and our obedience to the things that the Bible says. But do you trust Jesus that when you give, it's given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over? Let me give you a great illustration very quickly. Kristen and I prayed about what God would have us do for the miracle offering for greater. And we gave sacrificially to that offering. We want to lead in what we're asking people to do. And that Sunday morning, someone walked up to us with the largest check I've ever received individually, a gift from a person going to their pastor. I said, Pastor, we just want to bless you with this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? God, you just gave me a reminder of how this works, right? It's not always financial, but God blesses a joyful giver. And so I encourage you, today and in the future, let's be a campus that cannot outgive God, but tries. Amen? Is that, does that sound good? And so let's pray for our offering. Father, we love you. We thank you for all of the incredible gifts that you've given us in our lives. We pray, God, that you would find us joyful, cheerful givers, giving with anticipation that you give back so that we can leverage even more as you bless us. We pray, God, that we would live out the principle of sowing, reaping, receiving, and then continuing to sow in your kingdom. We love you and bless your name. And we thank you for the giving of God's people. Amen. A brief video is going to show as they receive the giving, and then Barb, better known as Beth, will be up to dismiss our service.